Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. There are really many elements to the uh, defense approach in, in various criminal cases, and in recent months we've delved into some of those here on Liberty and the Law. Today we're going to I'd say maybe be a bit more granular, uh, drill down a little bit as we look at the differences between misdemeanor and felony cases, and then and talk about how an experienced uh, criminal defense attorney will gather evidence in each of those scenarios. Uh, hi, everybody. Jim Mitchell. And uh, once again, I will be joined in our discussion by Lavelle Law Attorney James Dore. Today's discussion, you know, whenever James is along, it's going to be informative, it's going to be engaging, and uh, we're going to share a lot of information with you. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Mr. Dorr, good to talk to you again. Good afternoon. Hey, Jim. It's good to see you again, and uh, good to be back on the show. And looking forward to this topic. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, we've mentioned this in the past a little bit. So let's let's do a quick reset in, in terms of discovery. When when we throw that term out there, does that does that cover the process of gathering evidence to help begin building your defense? Right. It's a process of disclosure of, of evidence. Now, you can use discovery, that same term, in a, in a civil matter, but um, since we're here to talk about criminal law, we're going to talk about it in terms of criminal uh, cases. And uh, normally the discovery we're talking about is the evidence that the state's attorney's office, the prosecutors would have, um, evidence that they intend to use uh, to establish their case in, uh, against my client, so against a criminal defendant mm-hmm. in the case. Now, I know we've mentioned uh, the differences in the past between the misdemeanor and, and felony cases, you know, some of the different things that you do. When I refer to differences, is that relative to the type of evidence you're gathering, the process for gathering that evidence, or both? It, it affects the process, definitely, and because it affects what the defendant is entitled to, the material he's entitled to receive. So um, in misdemeanor cases, um, there's generally the defendant has less rights to discovery than they would if in a felony case. So misdemeanor is generally punishable by less than a year in jail. A felony would be, you know, one year or more, depending on what the case is, could be substantially more than a year. So um, generally the with felony cases, um, there's more requirements put on prosecutors because, um, you know, it's more serious case. You're looking at m- more prison time, um, harsher results or harsher penalties against the defendant than would in you know, a lot of misdemeanor cases. So you could say that um, discovery is a little more, um, it, uh, there's more oversight of felony discovery statutorial, statutorily mm-hmm. than there would be in a, in a misdemeanor case. But yeah, the, the, to answer your question, yes, the, the uh, seriousness of the charges can um, directly impact the kind of discovery available to the defendant. So let's start on, on the misdemeanor side. Um, uh, in terms of the okay. prosecutor, do they do they need to simply give you everything they they have available to them, or do you have to specifically request that certain things come to you in those cases? Well, in in uh, misdemeanor cases, they it's governed by what's called Schmidt discovery. It's just a case name, but essentially um, the case would outline and, and the courts would follow this in in. Uh, determining what kind of evidence needs to be disclosed to the defendant. So in misdemeanor cases, 
Not that much. I mean, it's been ruled that you can get a copy of the police reports and a copy of the, the charges against you, but not much else. Now, over years, um, you know, uh, judges and courts have taken a look at this and expanded that discovery a little bit out of, you know, fundamental fairness and, you know, uh, concerns for due process. So things like videotapes in DUI arrests, well, they become much more common to disclose, even though it wasn't uh, something expected in the, in the common law. The, the judges have determined that out of fairness that they need to disclose, you know, things like videos uh, to a defendant mm -hmm. in a case like that. And, uh, you know, I, I always think of items, you know, that they have collected, as you said, uh, you know, things from the arrest itself, from the incident. Are there are there things that are relevant to you that ne aren't necessarily uh, acquired during that arrest process but might be relevant in your defense, you know, related to either the, the arresting officer or the equipment they use or witnesses or, or anything else that you would also start to go after? Well, sure. I mean, there's a, a continuing duty to disclose to the defendant uh, certain exculpatory evidence and certain evidence that comes uh, within the knowledge of the prosecutor. So in the course of investigating some cases, are, you know, let's say they're a complex uh, uh, criminal case, where there's uh, lab testing or something like that being done. If in the course of the, the investigation they discover that there's something, a problem with the lab, well, I would argue they would have a duty to disclose that to the defendant. It's possible that you could use that as a defense attorney to attack the evidence, attack the weight of the evidence or the credibility of that evidence um, at, at trial. So it, it, it would come up in... in you know, not it wouldn't be evident right away at the beginning of the case, mm -hmm. but as the case worked its way through the system, well, that would be an example of something that should be disclosed uh, to the defendant. Say there was a you know a batch of uh, evidence that was uh, you know uh, mistested or mislabeled or lost or something. You know, that's something that the defendant should know about. And and you in misdemeanors you you referenced Schmidt. Um, my understanding is on the felony side. Uh, uh, there's something similar that was an output of of the Brady case, and can you kind of walk us through how right. that impacts your work? Well, sure, the, the, sure. Well, that's the United States constitutional case, Brady v. Maryland, and that would kind of be the seminal case of of discovery in in, in criminal cases and um, the Supreme Court cases that the case that other uh, state courts would look at for guidance. So um, it did. It, you know, that's one of the. Like I said, it's a it's a it's a landmark case establishing, um, you know, a, I hate to say a, a discovery. Uh, well, it just it, it goes to the, uh, you know, what types of things need to be disclosed and what um, what possible remedies there could be if nothing, if, if something's not disclosed, it should have been. Okay. So mm -hmm. Brady, in, in the terms of felony law, Brady would be somewhat codified in, in Illinois um, in, in statutes that, uh, dictate to the prosecutors what they have a duty to disclose and also to the defendant as well. So, you know, Brady was, you know, years ago we have a case, but now we see how it's kind of worked and percolated through the system and all the way to the legislatures to where they're, they're you know, making a requirement on, uh, on prosecutors and, and defense attorneys alike. And, and I'm sure there's got, must be some some limits as to what you can request from the prosecutor throughout the process. Uh, do, do judges follow certain guidelines in terms of what they will grant when, when you start making requests to them for additional evidence? Uh, well, the judge is going to be required or 
look at the, the uh, concerns of fundamental fairness and due process and wants to make sure that the process is fair for not only the defendant, but the prosecutor as well. So the judge is being impartial and, you know, he's kind of the, the referee up there, okay? Um, but if there's evidence that hasn't been disclosed and I want to make the argument that it should be, I need to present that in a, in a motion to the court and outlining the, the reasons why it should, the evidence should be disclosed and some case law that would support that, um, that disclosure as well. So I would be citing cases like Brady, like Schmidt, uh, and other cases that, that have followed Brady and, and, and making that request. And so the judge can enter an order, you know, directing mm -hmm. the prosecutor to disclose that evidence. And I'm sure there are times when you don't know what you don't know because you, you, you may not be aware of what, what is out there. But at the same time, I, I assume the judges hold you to some standard in terms of being fairly specific about what you're asking for. That's true. And I think to, to fully answer your question, they, they, they don't like fishing expeditions. They don't like when you <laughs> you come and ask for everything under the sun, which you don't have a basis to ask for it. Okay, Or if you're asking for things, let's say you're using a boilerplate motion, and then say, I asked for a video uh, like I would for a DUI stop, but the, the arrest had nothing to do with that. The arrest is, say, for a battery. Well, the judge is going to look at me like, you want a video of the arrest? You know, so you've got to be, you got to tailor what you're asking a judge for, you know, specifically as possible. Because otherwise a judge will view that as wasting the judge's time and a, a mm -hmm. fishing expedition on top of it. So um, just a good rule of thumb, when you're asking a judge for something, you better be pretty specific on you know, what you're asking for and have some grounds to ask for it. Well, our, our guest today, Attorney James Doerr, has that type of experience. He's uh, been a criminal defense attorney for uh, several decades now, and he's with Lavelle Law. He always guides us through these discussions uh, on liberty and law. Um, and he, he certainly spent many hours in the courtroom, and as you're learning today, probably multiples of that time gathering information and preparing uh, either before going to court or working out settlements on, on behalf of his clients. Um, LavelleLaw.com is where you can get uh, a lot more information than we're going to share with you today, but it's a, a great starting point for us today to kind of get this process started in this discussion. Um, you know, it, it seems to me that once a, once a case is opened, um, does that evidence sort of have to sit and be available until it's resolved, or when you're doing your requests and motions, do you have you working under some timelines to make sure you get stuff early? Well, my view, we want it as early as possible. You want to start working on the case, and you want to know what the prosecutor knows you know, as soon as possible. It helps with the um, preparing a defense, preparing what our defense theory is going to be, and moving forward. So we also have to prepare, hey, if the, if the state's attorney has a, a rock-solid case, we have to prepare for that, too. Um, so that's, that's one of those things that the defense yeah. attorney has to know what the prosecutor knows. Otherwise, we're not working on the same page. We're, not, we're at a disadvantage, and that, that doesn't help anybody. So um, when it comes to discovery, now some of that's a little bit of reading between the lines, and that does come with experience. So if you're seeing some evidence being disclosed and you, and you start thinking as a lawyer, well, where's, where's this, where's that? You start thinking of things that you've seen in past cases or you're looking for you know, the, the, the complete picture. So if something doesn't fit right, you know, that's giving you a clue of what you should be asking for. So there, there are um, uh, signals that come with uh, analyzing a case that you learn over time uh, that there may be something more out there that the prosecutor has that you want to get a look at. And, and what's, what's, I think you mentioned it earlier, what, what's the obligation of the state's attorney 
to provide evidence that has been requested and approved by the judge. I, are they at risk if they do not fully comply with what they have been asked to do? Oh, sure. They're, they're under the same ethical rules as any lawyer. Uh, so if they're withholding evidence, um, that could be the, the grounds to discipline that, that state's attorney. So you know, they are essentially uh, governed by the same ARDC rules as the rest of the lawyers, but they do have a duty within the system uh, of, of fairness to everybody. You know, they represent the people of the state of Illinois, not just the not arrested people. They, arrest, they represent uh-huh. everybody. So the fairness of process is something that they're supposed to um, uh, ensure. And, and this is part of that process and the fairness. When, when there's evidence out there, it should be disclosed to the defendant ahead of time. You, you, we don't have trial by surprise. Um, you know, things should be fully disclosed. Uh-huh. And th- if the state has a strong case, and they have nothing to worry about. Um, so it, essentially, though, that, that they are governed the same way as other lawyers, but they do have that duty um, within the system uh, to ensure fairness and, and to disclose that ev- evidence. And to tie these those last couple of questions together in terms of you know how when you request things and what their obligations are, regardless of them needing to to meet that you know statute or that, that obligation of fairness, I think you've told me in the past on these DUI cases in particular that some of that evidence automatically gets sort of wiped out every thirty days or a couple of weeks. Um, is that something you've got to be aware of then in dealing with those cases? Well, great point, great point. Let's say, for example, we're dealing with a videotape in, in a, in a uh, DUI arrest. Well, there's in-squad in camera that, that's capturing that, but it won't be stored forever. It, 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 each department has different rules because they have different systems that they run in, in their squad cars. So they will retain videos for short periods of time, 30, 60, 90 days, um, but they'll have a department policy where automatically things will be erased and deleted if they're not required. So I think it's very important that the defense attorney gets in early to make these requests because once evidence is destroyed, then nobody has it. You know, if the state didn't ask uh-huh. for it because they may not need the video for their case, they can establish it with the officer's testimony. The defendant would like to see the video because it's, hey, it's it's neutral. It, it, you know, video doesn't lie. So we'd want that to see if the state has their case, as they say, or if not, this may be something we can use to, to the client's advantage. So the, the passage of time could definitely hurt the ability to acquire that evidence uh, on a timely basis. Well, uh, time is always an issue with us as well, and unfortunately we run up against uh, a deadline here in our conversations with James Dore. We're going to let him go, but I think we've just touched the surface and we may come back to this topic again in the future. So many thanks to James for being here. Uh, He is, uh, as I said, our regular contributor. Um, Blog Talk Radio and iTunes are places you can visit to find some of the past podcasts that we've had. Also, LavelleLaw.com has a complete collection of all of our conversations. And James can be reached at 847-705-7555.